When you start really thinking about this, in the beginning was when God says, let there be light. Let there be the land and the earth and the heavens and the earth. And then the things that he created, let those things be. But he was there before the creation event. That means that Jesus was pre-existent. He always existed before his incarnation. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. John's Gospel starts with these words In the beginning, this refers to the timeless eternity of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John essentially wrote, When the beginning began, the Word was already there. The idea is that the Word existed before creation or even time. This description is given in order that we may at once grasp that Jesus has no beginning and has been in existence forever even before the beginning of the world, which also establishes Jesus as God. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Christian churches, some Protestant churches, they don't talk about the the Bible anymore. They talk about feel-good messages, make you feel good inside so that you come back. And while you're in getting a 30-second or, a, or a, I'm sorry, a, a 30-minute sermonette after the worship team has spent an hour and a half with all the lights and the guitars and everything, while you're doing that, your kids are, being, are playing video games and being entertained. This gospel confronts, even of John's day, it confronts Gnosticism, it confronts Docetism, asceticism, which all of these things are just false teachings of John's day that, uh, among other things, claim that Jesus was just a phantom, that he wasn't really God in the flesh. It also is an affront to all the man-made religion and separate, uh, secular liberal thinking. What does 1 Corinthians 1 say, verse 18? For the message of the cross is what? Foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. This gospel abolishes all of that. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are what? They are spiritually discerned. There have been a few critics who have examined the Bible and, and said, the book of Isaiah, there appears to be at least two different authors of the book of Isaiah. Because the message in the first 40 chapters is quite a bit different than the last 26. 
And again, the Lord, his word, preempting this. It's called the Deutero-Isaiah theory, meaning two Isaiahs. Some people think there's three or four. Oh, let's just pick five. Why not? But what does the Bible say? You can believe the higher critics, or you can believe what the word of God says. In John chapter 12, it says in verse 37, But although he had done so many signs and miracles before them, they did not believe him that the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled. And here he quotes Isaiah chapter 53, which is the second half of what people thought, this other Isaiah that that might be fulfilled which a prophet spake. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah, Isaiah said again, and here he quotes from the ninth chapter, or the sixth chapter. So the Spirit of God says there's one Isaiah. And yet the fancy pants in the ivory towers, they say there's two. So you have a choice to make. Are you going to believe the starch collars, or are you going to believe Jesus? Are you going to believe the Word of God? I'm putting my trust in the Word of God. One Isaiah. And yet God, in this gospel, anticipated this kind of stuff. And I imagine that as time goes on, we're going to uncover all kinds of things that God had preempted in this gospel to confound those untruths, those things that malign who Jesus really is. Let's look at a couple of verses. Maybe we'll get through the first two or three. Let's look at the first. um, Let me just read the first five. Finally, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, does that kind of have your ears tingle a little bit? Whoever this Word is, is now a he. Do you read the Bible like that? Think about it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Hmm. This Word was with God. He was with God. And He was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without nothing... Without him, nothing was made that was made. Notice, in him, this word was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, as you look at that, you look at the pronouns, you put two and two together, you understand that whoever this word is, it's a male. And further down in verse 14, we'll get to this next week, but look at verse 14, what does it say? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, literally tabernacled among us, clothed in human flesh, when before he was not clothed with human flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. When did that happen? On that day in Bethlehem, when Mary and Joseph were there, and there was no room for them in the inn, and out in the stable, out in the feeding trough, is where the Son of God was born. In a stone-feeding trough with hay. That's where the Savior of the world was born. But notice, in the beginning. In the beginning. What beginning? In the beginning was the Word. What beginning? God didn't have a beginning. So what beginning could this be? Well, it ought to bring to mind another chapter or another book in the Bible that started with the very same phrase. In the beginning... Genesis 1, verse 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. In the beginning, in what beginning? In God's beginning? No, he pre-existed. Jesus pre-existed. He was already there in the beginning. That's what we're reading. He was in the beginning with God. When you, when you start really thinking about this, in the beginning was when God says, let there be light. Let there be the land and the earth and the heavens and the earth. And then the things that he created, let those things be. But he was there before the creation event. That means that Jesus was pre-existent. He always existed before his incarnation, before he was born through the Virgin Mary, who had never had a child, never known a man. Before then, Christ always existed. He always existed. It's our beginning, the beginning of the earth and all things that God has created. That beginning, in our beginning. And notice, in the beginning was the word. The word there is the Greek word logos. It is the very thought, the very expression of God. Jesus said to his disciples, and Jesus speaking to Philip, he said, Philip, um, have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Because that's what Philip asked him. Lord, show us the Father and it suffices. It's good enough for us. Just show us the Father. Well, the Father is spirit. No man has seen God in, in, the, in his essence as spirit. But here, God in the flesh is standing before him. And what did Jesus say? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the Logos. He's the very thought, the very representation of who God the Father is. He is the Logos, the Almighty God. He's equal with God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, There are three that bear record or bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Who's the Word? Jesus, Jesus Christ. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit. They're, the Word and Jesus are synonymous. They're synonymous. And John was using that word specifically because it was very popular in his day, that word. And he wanted to put feet on it. He says, you know what? You guys are talking about this thought and, you know, and, and this representation, the expression. Let me tell you who it really is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When you, and he is the Logos. That's where we get, I, I believe we get our word logo. When you think of a logo, you think of something that represents something. When you're traveling with your kids on I-90 and you're about halfway to Buffalo and your kids see the golden arches alongside the road and it's about lunchtime, you know what to expect. Those golden arches mean something to you. McDonald's, of course. It's a logo. It represents something. And every kid knows what the fries taste like. They know what the hamburgers taste like. They know what the Big Mac tastes like. They know what the chicken nuggets taste like. They know it all. And they already have in mind what they're going to get because they know what they're going to get because there's consistency, usually. The logo means something. Jesus is the Logos. He, he, he represents God. That's why he could say to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is enough for you to see, Philip. And honestly, you couldn't handle to see God the Father in your body right now. You disintegrate into pieces. The brightness of his light. He dwells in unapproachable light. God the Father, you, you, we need a new body to be able to stand before him. That's why the rapture is so wonderful. We receive a new body that's going to be able to withstand eternity. To be in the presence of Jesus Christ and God the Father and to see that radiance, which we probably will never see his uh, image because it's in his son. But to stand in his presence in these bodies, 
Good luck. It's not going to happen. He's the Logos. And I love what it says in Revelation 19. We just finished it a few weeks ago. Remember when Jesus comes back, what's on his thigh? He was clothed with the robe when he comes back in his second coming to the earth physically with us following him from heaven. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called what? The word of God. The Logos of God. Who is this Logos? Who is this word? Throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, it's consistent. It's Jesus Christ, the Logos of God. The Logos And notice, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, notice, was with God. The Word, Jesus, was there with God the Father in the beginning. And notice, and the Word was God. Whoever this Word is, is equal. And you're probably tired of me saying it, but that's okay. You'll get over it. The Word was God. The Word was God. Verse 4 tells us, again, that it's a male. And verse 14 tells us that he's going to become flesh and dwelt among us. The Jesus, or excuse me, the Jehovah's Witnesses twist this verse very badly. In the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, their Bible, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, they say at this very spot, and the Word was a God. You have a problem with that? I have a problem with that. And so does every person who knows the Greek language. I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't know Greek I'm married to one, but I don't know Greek. She's a beautiful Greek, the most beautiful Greek in the world, by the way. She's going, oh, shucks. You should see her mother. She's about the same height. She's even smaller than she, you know, you know shorter than my wife. And she's like 100% Greek. I mean, she came from an island. I mean, she came from Carnegiesville. That's her maiden name. That's the name of the place. Carnegiesville. The, the animals lived on the first floor and the family lived on the second floor. True story. She came over on Ellis Island. We still don't know how old she is. I mean, she's, they, they, they estimated because they didn't have birth certificates for women when they came over from the Ellis Island. So they picked the date. And it happens to be my brother's birthday, too. But Greek. The Jehovah's Witnesses twist this very badly, and so does every Greek scholar. They have a real problem with this, a real problem. I'll never forget, and I'll get to that. I, I had a friend... Uh, back in Florida when I, I was in grade school, middle school, and we were really good friends. And um, his whole family was in the Jehovah's Witness, and they weren't practicing Jehovah's Witness. They were just Jehovah's Witness by name, but they, they didn't really practice it. And it wasn't until after I went to college, and then I went and I visited him, and I had gotten saved dramatically. And I go to my friend, and we start talking. And it just so happens that his family really got back into the Jehovah's Witness during the time that we were absent from one another for a couple years. And they really got serious about it again. And so by the time I get saved and I come back and I speak to him, we're having this battle. And he's trying to convert me, and I'm trying to convert him. You know, I was a young Christian. I didn't know anything. I was still wet behind the ears. I was still very new in the faith. I didn't know anything. All I knew was that I was forgiven and I'm going to heaven. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything. But one thing that the Lord did that I think was really interesting is one of the things that my friend did is he opened the Bible, opened up the world, New World Translation, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, and he read this verse. And I had read this before in my Bible. And he says, and in their Bible says, and, and the word was a God. And, and the Lord says, 
he just opened my eyes to that. And I, and I looked to him. I said, I said, uh, I said to my friend, I said, what is that? The Lord instinctively brought that to my attention. Because either the word was God or the word was a God. He's just another God, like a pantheist, someone who believes that there's many gods. Or is he God? Do you see the difference? And there's the problem. Those are crows on the, on the roof. Hear him pecking away at the ice? It's kind of nice, isn't it? Nice distraction from a message. It's probably the devil. No, I'm just kidding. Could it be Satan? Hmm? <laughs> Sorry. See, I still have room to mature. Still, still growing up, you know. I'm, there's still hope. But the Jehovah's Witness, they twist this so badly. In fact, the Greek scholar who they had, and we'll end here for today, the Greek scholar who they leaned heavily upon as they were translating their, you know, making their translation, they misquoted him, they misused him, and they totally misaligned the things that he said and his explanation about this very specific, very particular verse. And he was not very happy about it. In fact, I've got the letter that he wrote to the Watchtower organization and saying, there is no way that this can mean what it means. There's no room in the Greek grammar for A to be in front of God. It doesn't happen. It never happens. This should not be. And he rebuked them very sharply. And every other Greek person who knows the, this language very well says, this is just, this can't be. This is not even, it doesn't happen anywhere. There's no room for it, but yet they continue to keep it because as soon as they reveal that Jesus is God, they've got to change their, all their theology and they will not change their theology. And therein lies the problem among other things. That's a big problem. Wouldn't you agree? He's either God or he's not. If he's not God, what does John tell us in his letters that we just read? That's of the spirit of the devil. The spirit of Antichrist is the one who inspired those words. And they're not even accurate either. It's bad grammar. Bad Greek grammar. So how important is it? This gospel. We're going to... We're going to have a lot of fun in this gospel. When I say fun, it's just, it's so wonderful. It's so refreshing to me when the, all the world around us is telling us a different story, trying to get us to believe a different narrative about who Jesus is. The colleges and the universities, the grade schools, they are all wanting, they, they've all kicked. I mean, again, I, I've said this before, and some teachers who in, in the church who are in schools I understand you are the light in that school, but by and large, the school itself as an entity has removed Christ from the schools. They don't teach creation. They teach evolution, which by, it's still a theory, isn't it? And it's a very poor theory to begin with. And yet that is what they're teaching. Do you think this is important? It's very important. I would encourage you to think about those things to your young people that are in grade school. Make sure you get these things into them. Make sure they know who Jesus really is. Folks, for those of you who have got kids in college, keep in touch with them because their professors are not telling them this. Their professors are humanists. 
They're humanistic. We live in a postmodern society where anything goes. If it works good for you, that's great. <laughs> well, it works good for you. You just got to believe it. The Bible is true. The Word of God is true. Let every man be a liar. And that's what they're teaching. So this gospel is going to expose who Jesus really is. It's sort of, and one of the reasons why we, I chose this right after Revelation is because what was Revelation? Was it a concealing of who Jesus was and is? The very word revelation is apocalyptos, apocalypsis, which means an unveiling. It's not meant to conceal, it's meant to reveal. And this gospel, John is revealing who this is, who the word of God is. It's Jesus Christ. Aren't you happy about that? I don't know about you, but I find when we, when we are on this gospel, we are on very, very solid ground and the devil hates it. And he's going to encourage you not to listen to it. And your family is what needs to hear this. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, your acquaintances, they all need to hear this message. I would encourage you, as we start getting into this, not because I'm, I'm nothing, but whoever's teaching it the way, you know, the, the truth of it, send them the link. Go on our website and, and, and copy the link and send it to them. Say, check this out. Read, listen to this. Watch this. It's necessary Can I even say it's essential? (laughs) Church is essential. And Jesus is essential. More essential than anything else that you can see with your eyes. He is essential. And what we're doing right now is so important. God says, don't forsake the assembling of one another as some do. Get together. What happens when we fellowship? I look at your faces, and there's a, re- a reciprocity that's happening. I'm watching your faces, and it's, it's doing something to me as I'm standing here telling you. And it's doing something for you as we read the Word of God, as we consider these things. It's changing us as we're, our hearts are being shaped and changed even while we're hearing this. That's how important it is. Let's stand together. Father, we we thank you so much for the truth of this gospel. We thank you for the truth that Jesus is Almighty God come in human flesh. No one else can claim that. No one can claim that. And only Jesus can pay the price for my sin and for for the sin of my brothers and sisters. And Lord, only Jesus can return for us and transform our bodies into a heavenly body and transform us and take us to be with you. And forever we will be with you, Lord. Only you could do that. No one else can do that, Lord. Charles Russell can't do that. Brigham Young can't do that. Mary Baker Eddy can't do that. David Koresh can't do that. Donald Trump cannot do that. Joseph Biden cannot do that. There's no one who can do that except for you. And so, Lord, we give our hearts to you. And we pray that, Father, you would just... Fill our lives with the truth of this truth of this gospel. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.